we're back for another season of stories about women doing great things with their lives. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. If you need a dose of get up and go, this episode is for you because the woman you are about to meet is all about women's empowerment. She's an award-winning educator, a lifelong athlete, a sports coach, and a Fulbright scholar whose doctoral research on gender equity, sports, and voice empowerment, hmm, I need to find out more about that, led her to where she is today, running her own coaching practice centered on female empowerment and leadership training. It's called KRLLC, and the KR stands for Kathleen Rawls, and this is her story. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Candy. I'm so excited to be here. And thank you very much for the gift of your book. You are now a member of the Candy O Mug Club, <laughs> so we've given each other our gifts this morning. Girls and women's athletics, they're really at the root of your story. So let's go back to you as an athlete. You're in great shape. What sports did you compete in? I have been an athlete all my life. I started with soccer in elementary school, and in high school I played field hockey, basketball, and softball, and I'm in my 40s today, and I'm still competing and running, playing a women's field hockey league on Tuesday nights, and just really anything I can do. And I've been a high school coach for over 20 years, so I'm just generally active. What do you coach in high school? Well, right now I've got a JV field hockey game at Lowell High in about two hours. So I'll, I'll be... try to get you there on time. <laughs> Basketball, softball, and a lot of track and field as well. I coach a, a, a summer league team with some high school teammates of mine, which is great. Did you compete in college? I did not. I was just active in college. So I know also just from doing my own research that you are also a marathoner. And I know that over the weekend you ran a 50K? Yes. Tell us all about that. (laughs) Well, I just like to set goals and it helps me to stay in shape and not just run two or three miles a day, but maybe get out and do nine or 10 of hills or whatever. So I ran a 50K, which is 31 miles, and it was in Carlisle, Massachusetts, Great Brook National Park. I finished. My first goal was to have fun, which I did. I met some wonderful people. In fact, I met a woman who runs her own coaching women's business for triathletes and Birds of a feather. Uh, Yeah, yeah. We were just kind of working our way through the trails and we started chatting. So, you know, you never know who you're going to meet in sports. And that's the really fun part. I know that in studying marathoners and actually interviewing a few on this very program, I've learned that a marathoner does not run a marathon every day. That would beat their body down too much. They run intervals. And you have to attack the sport in intervals, and that's a lesson for life, is it not? Yes. I actually have a running streak. I have a three-year running streak. I've run every day for at least a mile, and I have found that sticking with that has really helped me see that the secret to any success I've had is consistency. I don't know that I'm particularly great at anything, but I know that I can be consistent, and it has helped me as I've left my teaching career and head into you know, my entrepreneur career. You know, it's so true you're talking about consistency. And I think most coaches will say, I'd much rather have a consistent athlete than an athlete who has lots of really bad days and one great day. What role does consistency play for those of us who are listening and thinking, I need to take my career to the next level? Why is consistency so important? To go back to sports for a second, I think so often my runs are not good but they got done. And once you finish that run, you know, you slug it through, it's hot, you're hungry, you're tired, whatever it may be, but it gets done. 
and you move forward. And I think that's a really important lesson, you know, as I'm starting to, you know, learn all about how to run a business is, you know, you'd kind of take your lumps and you think, well, okay, I, I need some time to reflect and then keep going. I was a Title IX athlete. I don't know if I've had a chance to talk to you about this, but I was a one-meter diver in high school, a Connecticut State champion, and I was recruited by Boston College. And I just want to say that Title IX changed everything for girls, everything for girls. And I know you've done so much research on gender equity, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about explaining to people how important that movement was, that law, that Title IX law for girls everywhere. I wrote a book earlier this year, and I'm actually trying to finish up a second one. And this one, I went to Chelmsford High School in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And two years ago when the pandemic hit, I just defended my dissertation. I had left my high school teaching position, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I decided to create a survey, and I had worked in Ethiopia with girls and asked them if they perceive greater voice empowerment as a result of their participation in sports. 100% of the Girls Gotta Run members that I interviewed said absolutely. And I thought, well, if girls feel this way, and this question was based on my own experiences, I bet there are other women. And so I sent out a survey. I really didn't know how many people would take it, but 150 women who participated in sports at Chumsford High School starting in the 1970s, right when Title IX was passed in 1972 to today, took the survey. I collected qualitative and quantitative data. I'm going to be sharing my findings hopefully later this fall. But what the women said was that they took the lessons that their coaches shared with them, the belief in themselves when they didn't see it, to have someone in their life who saw something and to kind of blindly follow that in some way. And then sometimes you don't see the results for a long period of time. But to have someone to believe in you to follow through has really been helpful. And a lot of the women talked about sharing these lessons in their professional lives, that they got a chance to practice being a leader in their high school sports teams. And that experience like transcended them in their professional careers. And what these women are doing, you know, the academic and professional achievements are amazing. The book is called Take Her Word For It, Sports Cultivate World-Class Leaders. And we're talking to Kathleen Rawls, who's got her Ph.D. Let's go back just a little bit and talk about your research for your doctoral dissertation. It took you around the world. You visited 20 countries, four continents. How did this change your worldview? And in particular, what did you learn from women in other countries about empowerment? Do they see it a little differently than we do? Well, I think the first time I really looked at gender equity outside of the United States, I had a Fulbright in Norway. And the gender equity is a lot more in favor of the women, I would say, in the Scandinavian countries. And they shared so much about how they perceived their bodies in a really healthy and strong way rather than seeing themselves as trying to fit a particular mold. And that really struck me. And I also saw so many of the female teachers that I I traveled to 50 different schools in the course of the year and taught about American culture. And the teachers that I got to teach with or eat in their, eat with their families, they are active their whole lives. They just found a way to make that work. And that really inspired me to come back to the U.S. and kind of reignite my own athletic background. My predominant research was in Ethiopia with the Girls Gotta Run Foundation. And in Ethiopia, it's a pretty strong patriarchal society. If you're in a family where there are males and females, The males are going to go to school because it costs money for the families. The girls will stay home. 
And this foundation, they fund hundreds of girls in two different locations, and they ensure that they get their education through 10th or 12th grade. They get food. They get their training. They run. The Ethiopians are known to be amazing runners. And these girls are empowered to use their voices in their community, which is amazing, even amongst adults. I want to hear if you got a chance to run at all in Ethiopia. <laughs> You're laughing already. They probably smoked you. Oh, man. I'm so glad you said that because of course they did. <laughs> I do run every day, but they did. And I tell you what, my husband, uh, Nate Kraft, is a teacher and a girls track coach at Lowell High. So he got a chance to come out for a couple weeks and, and meet the girls. Him too. They did. He was a Division <laughs> One college runner, and he worked so hard to keep up with them. But he learned so much from those girls that he's been able to share those lessons with his high school athletes here in Lowell. I'm guessing that a lot of these stories are in this book as well. Absolutely. The book is called Take Her Word For It. We're talking to Kathleen Rawls. Sports cultivate world-class leaders. Let's talk about that. Athletes make great employees. They make great leaders. What are the attributes that go into that? I think the number one attribute is learning how to be a team player. And one of the things that the women spoke often about was being able to assess their team. And I think that's a really particular trait. It's one thing to know how to work with others, to socialize with others, but to be able to actually assess the skills and knowledge of your teammates and say, okay, this is what my teammate needs. I'm going to learn those skills. I'm going to adapt to the team. Uh, I'm going to lead. I'm going to follow when I need to. I think that's a pretty special teammate. There are also different types of strengths, are there not? There's the physical strength that it takes to keep on running. And then there's the inner strength, the resilience it takes to keep going when you're exhausted and you think you can't make it. The woman I spoke with, some of them were professional athletes like Kate Grace. She's a U.S. track and field Olympian. And other women, a woman named Margaret Brooks, she just took up sports really in her mid-30s. And all of them, you know, kind of had this same idea of not realizing the inner strength that they had until they began to push their body. And I thought, well, if I can push my body to this point, what can I do mentally in other parts of my life? Let's talk a little bit about your coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And I want to share with you that it was a few years ago that a very dear friend of mine, Liz Bruner, said to me, you know, you spent your whole life as a broadcaster and public speaking is what you do on the radio live and then in front of other people telling the stories of women doing great things with their lives. You should be a communications coach. And I said, excuse me, what are you talking about? I'm guessing the same thing might have happened to you where you had this collective experience, and then you said, ah, I can pass this along to other women. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Yeah. So as I said, I was a high school history teacher for 15 years, and I thought, you know, I think I'm really ready for a change and, you know, to use some of the skill set. And a lot of what I do with the women that I coach is I work to really dig into who they are to have them do a lot of reflection on what are the lessons they've learned? What are the things that they feel like they've forgotten about themselves? What are the strengths? What do they really like about themselves? So it's less about me telling them. It's more about them reflecting and kind of bringing things to the surface. When you first engage with a client, what do they usually come to you for? Because in my case, many of my clients are very successful women 
But when it comes to delivering a keynote or when it comes to being in front of a camera, it's just an experience that they haven't had yet. Maybe they've come to a crossroads and they've gotten as far as they can on their own, but they need an objective third party. That's exactly it. A lot of the women that I work with have kind of hit a peak. Maybe it's in their particular business or in their team, and they want to know, you know, is this really as far as I can go? Is there Are there skills that I should be developing to look somewhere else? So a lot of them really are at a, also at a crossroads. In your opinion, what are the attributes of a great leader? So I think a great leader has to be able to assess their team and listen to their team and adapt. In the very beginning, when I was describing you and what you do, you used the term voice empowerment, and that got my attention. What do you mean by that? So voice empowerment is a term that I started to really think about with my dissertation. And when I came back from Ethiopia, I spent months, to be honest, just sitting on the data and my experiences. It took a little while just to really think about what I had just experienced. And so I started to think about what the girls shared, and they said, Voice empowerment really is a two-step process. One, it's you realize what's going on and you can vocalize things that you want to change, things that you like about your community, about your team, about your life. And really the second step of voice empowerment is to be able to speak on it and to do it in a more purposeful and public way. Sometimes people feel as if, well, I'm good at this one thing. I kind of like that over there, but I'm not bold and brave enough to give that a try. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 44, and I lost my father when I was 37, so just a few years ago. And we were very close. I'm close with my mother. She's very much a, a woman leader. And lost my dad. I thought, you know, life is really short. He was in his early 70s. He lived a wonderful life. He was happy. And I thought, you know, what is it that I want to do with my life? It's kind of flying by. And that's when I started to really look at opportunities and see that I could do something different, that I was capable of it. You know, I have a tattoo on my arm. It's a little dove. And that's because my dad called me his dove. And he was my guy. He was my person. How important has it been for you to have a role model like your father in your life? And what did you learn from him? You know, my father was a lineman for Mass Electric turned National Grid for 43 and a half years. So whenever I would change, I originally was a sports writer and went into education, and he thought that was just crazy. But he also was incredibly supportive, and he really treated my sister and my brother and I very much the same. And I have to say that much that has to do with my mom, and she really is, I think, a, a trendsetter in education for women. I remember as my father was declining, and he was very, very sick, and I had the honor of taking care of him as he approached his death. He wanted to tell me his stories to make sure that I knew what had happened in his life so that I could learn from his stories. And I guess that brings me back to this beautiful book of yours. It's a collection of the stories of women telling you how they got to where they are today. What a privilege to collect those stories. It was. You know, I love to interview people because I love to listen. You know, the hard work comes after, but just getting people to open up, that's my favorite part. My mom actually was the initial editor of the whole book, and I couldn't imagine anyone better. She's a 50-year educator, and she's still teaching in her 70s and a reading and writing teacher. So we had a lot of conversations, my mother and I, about the women because she wanted to know more about what they were like after reading their stories. 
you know, I think our childhood molds us. It's our foundation. So I hope we can talk just a little bit about what life was like in your house. We know your mother has always been a woman leader type mm-hmm. person and your dad was a lineman. I'm thinking of, I am a lineman for the <laughs> county. Uh, tell us a little bit about your childhood. Yes. Well, I'm the middle child. I'm the only redhead and the only lefty. So I like to remind my Ooh, brother and sister. You and me, sister. I'm a lefty, ah. too. We're very creative, we you are, know. We okay. are. I like to remind my brother and sister, Tommy and Sarah, just how special I am. You know, just kidding with them. <laughs> but I really was very fortunate. I had my parents really instilled to be kind, valued school. In fact, we joke when my mom really didn't allow us to watch TV growing up. We could watch sports. We were all athletes and we could watch news. So I was a history teacher. But in terms of just sitcoms and no video games whatsoever, we went outside and played. And I tell kids that today and they're appalled. (laughs) And I'm really thankful that both my parents were on the same page with that. What was the message in your house around goal setting, about responsibility, about work ethic? And can you share that with our listeners all around the world? You know, my mom is the first person in our family to earn a college degree in 1969 from Lowell State. And it was a pretty big deal. Her mom had passed away when she was a teenager and they didn't have a lot of money growing up. And she was really adamant that she fulfilled that. And she went on to get a grad degree. And so she actually went to grad school when I was in college. And seeing my mother go back and pursue that was really inspiring for me. And my dad, he worked nights and weekends in the truck so we could go to field hockey camp, go away to the beach, have fun, but work hard and and be committed to your family. For someone who's been teaching for as long as you have, what is the hallmark of a great teacher? Mm, To be able to build community in the classroom. I've taught in Washington, D.C., and in Massachusetts, and in Norway. And in Northampton, Massachusetts, out in the western part of the state, I had a really wonderful experience where we had students of all different intellectual abilities in the classroom. And, you know, you have students really working at a a kindergarten, first grade level academically to kids AP level college. And you have to sit back and say, well, the only thing we have in common is this community. So we need to figure out how to bring out the best in each of the students and have them be appreciated for that. So I think that's a really important lesson. Gender equity, big conversation that we're having in the world today. Give us your thoughts. I was thinking about this, of course, in the ride down here today. And I thought, you know, of the places that I've traveled to, so many of the girls and the women, you know, ask, you know, what's it like in the U.S.? And they see the opportunities that I've had, you know, as as pretty special. And I would agree. But I think we have a lot of work to do. I remember speaking with a Penn State professor and she said, Kathleen, you know, the good thing and the bad thing is there's a lot of work to be done. (laughs) I think we just need to be vigilant, both men and women, uh, ensuring that people are heard and that there's equity brought to every situation. Next three questions we ask everybody who sits where you are. So you're a little bit in the hot seat here. Mm. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Mm. Oftentimes, take a step back, assess, and then think about what is the goal on the other side and how am I going to get there? For someone who's thinking about a career change... And sometimes when we reach a certain age in our lives, we start looking at the runway. Ooh, do I have enough time? Is it ever too late? What's your advice to women who are thinking about making a big change and doing something completely different? You know, I had just had this conversation a couple months ago in a, in a women's field hockey league. We were talking after a game, and one woman has a wonderful career as an event planner, and she had an offer to take a, a different position in a new company and all the unknown. She has a young family. 
And we were in the parking lot, and I just kept leaping. And I said, just take the leap. Just take the jump. And they, she was laughing about it. You know, I'm 5'10". I look silly out there. And I said, just <laughs> go for it. And she did, and she loves it. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever had? And could you please share it with our listeners today? Yes. You know, my mom told me when I was younger to trust your gut. And she's right. You know, I have found myself thinking about that often, and it helps me to negate unsolicited advice, you know, and to really follow my heart and say, you know, maybe that's what you would do. And I appreciate you sharing your your ideas, but I know in my heart and I know to follow that. So that was really helpful advice when I was a kid. Final question. At this moment and in this chapter in your life, what does success mean to you? You know, I think success means to be able to do the things that I really want to do in my life and to be at peace with that. The book is called Take Her Word For It, Sports Cultivate World-Class Leaders. And that is the story behind her success. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Andy, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I had a blast. To find out more about Kathleen's coaching practice, just go to Kathleen Rawls, that's R-A-L-L-S dot com. My thanks to Kathleen for sharing her story with us today. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone, please let me know. Just go to my website, candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. Give the show a follow on your favorite podcast platform and please tell your friends and your family about the show. Leave a review if you would be so kind. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week when we share our stories no matter where we are in this great big world. We provide a roadmap toward success. So here's the question, what's your story? I can't wait to hear it.